Hello and welcome into not just another sports podcast. It is the September 27th edition of the pod. Um, we are here to put our hand closer to the panic button as the Chiefs fall to the Chargers. Joining me as always is Christian. Christian, um, well, let's just get into it. How are you, how are you handling it? Uh, the sky isn't falling yet here in Columbia, Missouri, but I can feel other people you know, I, I can feel the tension in the air. There is definitely some co- concern surrounding the Chiefs and, and what happened on Sunday. What are kind of your first thoughts about this loss? Well, my first thought is that I'm really glad that we record on Mondays and not Sundays because I think I think I needed the, especially it being a noon game, helped a little bit too, that it's been, you know, over 24 hours since it happened. So I'm a little bit more level-headed. I was Sunday night, I was ready to record a podcast and just, you know, clean house. Not not literally, but also a little bit. But, I mean, the I tweeted it out right after the game. And honestly, the one phrase that comes to mind when it comes to this game is play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And that's exactly what this game was all about. Um, the Chiefs, for some reason, cannot get both sides of the ball to play well simultaneously. Yeah, they've made they've made some sort of deal with the devil where only one part of the ball can be good at one time. The defense comes out and actually looks pretty decent. Um, they ha- held Austin Eckler down pretty well, although the Chargers were never a team that was going to come in and ground the pound, ground and pound with Justin Herbert and the offensive weapons they have. But they came out and got a couple of three and outs. They did their job. This game could have easily been 35, um, 40 points for the Chargers if it had not been for those. Um, three and outs that the defense forced right after the early turnovers by the Chiefs. But I mean, the Chiefs, the offense was all out of sync. And it, quite frankly, has looked that way most of the year. And I think there's a lot of things to it. Am I frustrated? Yes, I am frustrated with the game and the way that it's went, because some of the things that are a problem are the things that we've been talking about for a long time. Um, one of the one of the things that frustrates me the most is I think we have this imaginary idea that the offensive line getting better it's just going to like oh you can just add add that on to Patrick Mahomes stat line like oh better offensive line more yards more touchdowns less interceptions and that's not necessarily the case we spent so much capital on rebuilding the offensive line and yes it did need work but I'm not sure it needed five new starters or these five new starters. People hear me say this and they say, oh, so, so you didn't want, you just wanted to keep it as is. No, I didn't want to keep it as is. And yes, I'm happy that they have some of the players that they have. Am I mad that they got Trey Smith in the sixth round? No, of course not. That's a great pick. That's exactly the things you should be doing on the offensive line. Am I mad that Creed Humphreys, the fifth ranked center, according to PFF as of now? No, again, I'm not mad about those. But I'm, I, you know, is how much better is Joe Tooney going to be than anything else they would have run out of their left guard? 5%, 10%? When is that going to be noticeable compared to if the Chiefs could have added Juju Smith-Schuster, if they could have added another player, if they could have added Emmanuel Sanders, who caught two touchdowns for the Bills this weekend? I mean, my frustration is just there are several things that we have talked about, and this is this, this kind of leads into something that happened today, but the chiefs keep losing and playing games that look the same. And it's, this is going back to last year where I think it started with the Carolina game where it, there are several things that keep coming back. The defense cannot 
they're, they're, the defense cannot hold anyone. So therefore the chiefs play only close games. The chiefs have not covered a spread since the AFC championship. And that was the first game they'd covered in like 10 weeks. And now they're on another streak of not covering the spread. They cannot put teams away. The game uh, teams are getting more and more privy to the idea that you, you must score touchdowns on the chiefs. You must go for two. You must go for fourth downs and teams are doing it and they're being successful because the chiefs defense isn't that good to begin with. And then if you give teams another down, they're going to be even better. And, you know, it's Daniel Sorensen, again, playing a lot of snaps and Juan Thornhill not getting. It's the pass rush struggling. It's the Chiefs trying to win the, quote, unquote, imaginary trophies of, oh, look, we turned Chris Jones into a defensive end. And, oh, look, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 100 yards when we gave him 17 carries. And, I mean, I get it. And, yes, I do think that Clyde running was an improvement today. But my, my the reason why I was so frustrated is because it just felt like so many of the things we've talked about before – just happen again. And then we sit there and go, oh, well, the Chiefs lost and Patrick Mahomes threw an interception, a couple of interceptions. And, you know, this happened. Why, why did this happen? And it comes back to the same things that we keep talking about. And for me, I'm just ready to start seeing some change from the coaching staff to correct the problems. Oh, yeah. And I think you nailed it on the head with Juan Thornhill not playing. That's that's kind of been a topic of conversation for the past couple of weeks. Right. Uh, Daniel Sorensen getting ninety nine percent of the snaps instead of, you know, 50 50 even would be an appropriate amount, I would say. Um, but in regards to that, I would say that. I think that there's something that's happened with Juan Thornhill, and I think it has to be related um, to effort because, you know, Spags kind of came out and said, oh yeah, you know, he had a, Daniel Sorensen had a better camp, right? Which is, you know, that could mean anything. Everybody has good camps. Um, I'm, I'm sure that there are people underneath Chris Jones that had a better camp at defensive end, but he's obviously going to start, right? They, that's not even a question coming into the season. If, if Chris Jones was going to start on the defensive line, um, <clears throat> but you know, and then you, you said it perfectly again, you know, with, with the mental mistakes, it, it's just unacceptable to have four turnovers in a game and it's inconsistent on inconsistent. Oh my goodness. Inconsistency on the offensive end and the defensive end that is really causing this team not to play well. And I mean, another thing you brought up last week was not having any weapons outside of Hill and Kelsey, like, I, I feel like we we've pointed out these problems for multiple weeks in a row, like the inconsistent defensive line play, uh, you know, the, the Daniel Sorensen problem, and then also the, the no weapons. And it's, it's just crazy to me that they have somehow not fixed any of those problems. And I don't think Josh Gordon going into our next topic here is going to make a big difference. I don't think Josh Gordon comes in and is, you know, half of what Sammy Watkins was, but it's, it's high list high risk, low reward, right? Like he's either going to come in and play really, really well. And it's going to be an amazing pickup for, for Brett Veach, or he's going to come in and not do anything. And it's not going to cost him anything, but a little bit of cap space. Yeah. And I, I want to get back to Josh Gordon, because I, I do think there's a good discussion to be had there, but going, going back a little bit to the same old things, messing the chiefs up. One of my biggest concerns is the fact that some of these things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. One thing that when, when Bob Sutton left the Chiefs, we screamed for just something interesting scheme-wise. It felt like th they were running the exact same coverage. 
the exact same pass rush was just straight ahead. There were no blitzes or stunts or twists. I'll give it to Spags on that fourth and nine play where um, the defensive pass interference that was never seen or heard of or called on the right player that completely changed the game and CBS refused to show us for some reason. Spags brought the house on that. And I still appreciate that about him. But my frustration is, is that there are players who are comically wide open constantly in the secondary. And I'm sorry, but at some point, I know Dan Swartzen's everyone's favorite whipping boy, and I get it. He, he is unathletic. He's making bad plays. But at some time, we have to start putting that on the other players, too. Who is the player that is said that to be the captain of the defense, the guy who keeps it all together? Tyron Matthew. He's PFF has not liked Tyron Matthew in two years as far as how he plays on the field. He's currently 47th. Um, hold on, let me double check that. But he's currently one of the lower rated um, safeties in football. And that's with a game where he had two, almost three interceptions. And they, you know, that obviously helped boost their score. I, at some point, we have to start wondering what is going on in this defensive scheme that is so complex that one, a guy who started and was all rookie, his rookie year can't get on the field because it's quote unquote too complicated or he's not in the right place. And then why are players running wide open? Like that one of the touchdowns that Mike Williams caught, which by the way, Mike Williams, a fantasy MVP this year, um, Mike Hughes was like literally running the opposite direction from like Mike Hughes or Mike Williams is on the outside and Mike Hughes has his back to him. And he was like running more towards the field goal post than he is Mike Williams. It's like, what is going on in this secondary that is causing all this confusion? Yeah. Excuse me. Tyron Matthew is 49th out of 79 qualifying safeties. Um, Juan Thornhill is 40th. And then um, everyone's favorite boy, Daniel Sorensen, is 75 out of 79. So part of me wonders if the the reason why Juan Thornhill is in the doghouse is maybe he doesn't necessarily stick to the scheme so much that he's a little bit more of a freelance player because he is a ball hawk. And maybe him and Tyron Matthew can't exist on the field in the, at the same time because of it. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. But I, I wanted to bring up a team – the 2018 Patriots were one and two. They lost two games in the beginning of the season. One of them, they got embarrassed by the Detroit Lions led by Matt Patricia. Um, and, you know, people were calling calling it the end of the Tom Brady air. And, you know, we were dancing on their grave. And that so we know what happened. They became Super Bowl champions. They came in and beat the Chiefs. One of the things that the Patriots were so good. Oh, and then the other team that they lost to was the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Blake Bortles. At some point, things have to change with the Chiefs. They have to start changing and doing things differently. One of the things I think needs to change is going to be Chris Jones needs to start playing at least part-time inside. doesn't have to be all the time, but at this point, the Chiefs are getting zero pass rush. I get that at one time during training camp, we thought that the pass rush was going and the defensive line was going to be a huge upgrade with Jaron Reed and Tershawn Wharton looked good and that one-on-one rep and yada, yada, yada. They know that they have a top two player on the inside. They need to start using it because there's, he's, he's not that on the outside. They need to figure out what's going on in the secondary and get the mix that works there correctly. And then I understand that Willie Gay is hurt, but they need to start using these linebackers in the way that they're most effective. They are better at run stuffing and they're better at rushing the passer. 
we need to find a way to stop having them be abused in coverage. Justin Herbert seemed to point to Nick Bolton and throw the ball to wherever he was on the field regularly. Um, and we don't need to get into the Nick Bolton cult. Um, <laughs> that's another no. discussion. No, but, I mean, and like, okay, so I understand that part of the reason why you want to play Chris Jones on the end is because who else is going to play out there? Okay, but what good is it going to do if he's not making as big of an impact on the game as it can? How worse is Joshua Kendo than Alex Okafor? It can't be much. At least one of them's freakishly athletic, and he's not going to – like, what I'm not – what I'm going to be annoyed about is next year during camp whenever they're talking about, oh, you know, Kendo, he's just, you know, he needs more time, more reps. It's week three. Like, get him on the field. That's one of the things that – Part of the reason why Thornhill became the player that he was is because he started week one that season. I, you know, I would just like to see, and getting back to the point that I brutally interrupted that you brought up, I would like to see the Chiefs start making some changes because what's happening isn't working. Enter Josh Gordon. That I totally agree with you. I'm 100% okay with this move. It's low risk, high reward. Cost them virtually nothing. This is, these are the type of moves that they need to have the salary cap space to be able to do. Obviously, they're getting bargain price for Josh Gordon. Um, and I, I kind of agree with what you were saying, that literally all Josh Gordon needs to be is he just needs to be Sammy Watkins from last year. Sammy Watkins had 421 yards in nine games and two touchdowns for the Chiefs. If they get that out of Josh Gordon, it, perfect. And here's why. You would say, well, 421 yards, only two touchdowns. How is that wide receiver two material? The point is, is one, Josh Gordon's a presence on the outside. He is big enough and physical enough at the point of catch that he's actually going to come down with that ball that Byron Pringle dropped and Marcus Kemp couldn't catch. Then he also takes every player and moves them down one more notch. So Byron Pringle, he's now going against their fourth corner. And McCole Hardman's going against their third corner and yada, 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 and so on and so forth. It's just one more body. And, I mean, you saw the way that the NFL media reacted to Josh Gordon signing. You would have thought he was an all pro last year, the way they reacted. He still commands that type of respect on the field. And I mean, if you go back and watch the snaps that he had in Seattle, he still has some juice left in the worst thing that's going to happen is he's going to come in and get suspended, which I mean, who cares? Or he's just not going to play and it'll be LaShawn McCoy and Le'Veon Bell again. So I'm just, and frankly, the thing I'm most happy about is that they did it now. They didn't screw around and try to make a move like this four or five, four or five weeks down the road. Get it now. Let him get in the offense. My guess is that he'll probably play not this week, obviously, not next week against, um, I think we're playing the Bills the week after the Eagles. Um, maybe the Washington football team would be a good time for him to come back or Monday night football against the Giants. I could see that too, like home game, lots of energy, Monday night football, um, feel really good about yourself against the Giants. Yeah, and, you know, Josh Gordon coming in, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's, it's one of those positions, it's kind of like cornerback, right, where you bring him in, and because of the system that Andy Reid has where they play X, they play Y, they play Z, they play all three positions. If you're a wide receiver or a cornerback, you need to know how to play all three of those positions on the football field. It really is like an upgrade for three people. It's you're you're upgrading three positions instead of just one. Obviously, Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver. He's going to be on the field for the majority of the snaps. Um, but then it's tier, it's a tear down. Now Josh Gordon's number two. Well, Mikol's not very good against their number three cornerback, but he might be great against their number four. 
And, you know, Demarcus Robinson coming in, he, he might not be good against the fourth, but he's good against the fifth. It, it's really an upgrade completely down the line, and it'll really help out the, the offense in general. I think another fix for this team, because this is going to sound bad. I, I know that this is kind of a hot take and that they were a Super Bowl team last year. There are so many problems with this defense. I don't know if this is a Super Bowl caliber team this year. And, and I think that there are a few ways that they can fix that. One of them, like you said, I think that they need to play the uh, linebackers a little bit better. And I think Willie Gay coming back will help with that. I don't think Nick Bolton is in the position. I think right now he's just in the position because we need players. We just need bodies out there. He's supposed to be an Anthony Hitchens type of player where he comes out. He's the Mike. He's in charge of the defense. He sets everybody up. But because we only have Ben Neiman back there and Dorian O'Daniel, which Where's he been? You know, he's he's been a special teams player for hey, as long that as is I remember. Such, that is such a good point, and I'm so glad you brought that up. We've seen Dorian O'Daniel make plays on the field before. That is a thing that happened. How awful is Dorian O'Daniel that he cannot get Ben Ben Neiman off the field? I I I just feel like it's it's impossible for him to be that bad. But oh, again, yeah. Yeah. that comes back to it's the scheme too complicated that there are players who are athletic, who won't get on the field. I I mean, Daniel Sorensen, or not Daniel Sorensen, um, Dorian O'Daniel played like safety at Clemson, a good school with good competition. He's very athletic. You cannot tell me that he would not look better covering players in the flat like Austin Eckler than Daniel Sorensen I, or Ben Neiman. I just, you know, it well, continues to be puzzling. I think part of it could be that he's kind of a, like a tweener, like Daniel Sorensen and Ben Neiman are both in between a safety and a linebacker, right? Like a little too slow, a, a little too big to be a free safety or a strong safety, but they're really too little and, and you know, a little bit too quick to be a linebacker. And Spags really likes that in this defense. You've seen it. That's why he runs three safety sets. It's, it's one of the reasons, well, it's not the only reason, but <clears throat> personnel definitely, uh, has an effect on who he plays and, and how he plays the defense. But headed back to the, the, the topic of how can we make this team a, a championship caliber team? Um, I think that we have to get an upgrade at defense event. And I think that starts, you posted it on Twitter the other day. I think there's a reason Jaron Reed was available because I haven't seen him at all. I've seen him make two plays. He's been in for 80% of the snaps. There's a reason that he was let go from the Seattle Seahawks and ended up on this team. He's been nowhere to be found. I think Chris Jones needs to head back inside. Derek Naughty comes back in and plays some more um, in, in lieu of Jaron Reed. And then we find somebody. I think that missing, missing on Melvin Ingram was a terrible mistake, mistake by Brett Veach. I think that we can trade for somebody or get somebody that's even a little bit better than, you know, than what's going on right now. Yeah, and I i mean, going back to the Jaron Reed thing, I do think that they're, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of small sample sizes. For instance, the future MVP, Daniel Jones, is one of PFF's top-ranked quarterbacks still. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are that are outliers right now. You know, the, the Broncos are 3-0, and they've played, like, three SEC schools, more or less. Um, you know, Jaron Reed... I, th I think one thing that we can take away from this is there's a lot of room for improvement from some of these players who, you know, some players regress to what they players tend to regress positively or negatively. Um, Jaron Reed is probably better than he is playing right now. 
So there is going to come a time, I do believe, that he's going to improve. He's, he's you know, he's still under 30 years old. He's not old and washed up. Um, I, I, I do think that there are opportunities for him to improve. Um, same can be said. Derek Nottie is playing awful. Um, he is really struggling in the run. Now he's dealing with that hip injury. But, I mean, this just kind of goes back to a little bit of what really killed the Chiefs last week or this week besides the turnovers. It was not the run. We worry so much about the run because the Ravens were running the ball so effectively. The problem wasn't that they were running the ball so much and so effectively. The problem is they were running so well that it was basically as effective as passing. They're like the only team that can do that because of Lamar. Um, you know, sure, the run defense played better this week, and look where it got us. You know, like it, they just got carved up in the passing game, could do virtually nothing. And it was very similar to what the Chiefs do. It was Mike Williams and Keenan Allen over and over and over again. Austin Eckler, yes, he had that touchdown, but I barely felt like he was really a factor in the game other than that. I, you know, it's frustrating because we start looking towards next year. When I say, tell me the Chiefs draft needs, the answer is yes. Like every position besides, and I, I will give them this, the offensive line is not one of them because you have control of Brown, Tooney's locked up long-term, and then the right side of the line is all rookies. So, yeah, that, that's good that the offensive line and quarterback are not the answer, but pretty much everywhere else is. I mean, Kelsey will get old eventually. He's still playing awesome. Wide receiver, defensive line, yes. Linebacking, still, yes. Safety, secondary. I mean, it, it just – there is so much that this team needs that they could, even if they pull off one of those draft classes, like the Vikings had a couple of years where they ended up drafting like 16 players or something atrocious. That's still not like, it's going to take a combination of some really smart cap maneuvering and draft picks. Oh yeah. And like you said, it's everywhere, everywhere, but quarterback running back offensive line and linebacker, just because of what we have invested. Um, I mean, think this is what scares me the most. And I think about this and immediately shut it out of my mind. Um, what happens if Travis Kelsey gets injured? Where do you think this offense is? Because I don't think, I think that they are maybe a, you know, 500 win team. That, that sounds bad, but there's nobody outside of him. Even Hill can be taken out of games. We, we saw that last week. Yeah. Well, teams have definitely, I, this is back-to-back weeks that Terry kill has been basically a non-factor in the game. So that's scary. But I, I do think that the thing with Hill and Kelsey is that you cannot take both away. You cannot dominate the middle of the field and bracket Kelsey and have two high safeties and, you know, triple double team Tyreek. You just can't do it. It's, it's just not possible because you know, the way that the rest of the field must be covered. So that I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, you know, if, if Tyreek is being a sacrificial lamb sometimes, because we know he's going to have his games, but you're exactly right. You know, if Kelsey goes down, it's, it's brutal. What's, what's going to happen. And I mean, this kind of goes back into another point that we're talking about people taking victory laps about Tyreek or Clyde Edward Dallaire having a hundred rushing yards. Yes. He averaged 5.9 yards a carry and still had a backbreaking fumble. And where did, again, where did it get the game? Where did it get the Chiefs? 28 points. Uh, Clyde Edward-Dillard has had three career yards with, or three career games with over 100 yards. The Chiefs in those games have scored 28, 28, 
And then the outlier being the opening game against the Texans. Give me just one second here. I didn't have that one saved, but um, you know, okay, cool. You ran the ball well. And guess what? You learned that running the ball is not as effective as passing the ball, especially with the playmakers that the chiefs have. And I do think that there is a uh, 34 was what they scored against the Texans. I do think that there is a little ebb and flow to the fact that the chiefs kind of do need to control the ball a little bit more with running the ball. And I do think that it was good to see the offensive line start to make more connection. All the offensive line graded out much better this week, including Lucas Nyang, who seemed to struggle with Joey Bosa, but you know, in the same breath, I am confident that there was a, at least one of those runs up the middle that Damian Williams takes to the house and Clyde can't because he just doesn't have the breakaway speed, which goes back to the same thing. Imaginary trophies. You, you drafted Clyde Edwards Lair in the first round. You're, you're giving him the line. If Clyde Edwards Lair was drafted in the fifth round, he would have not played at all this week because of the fumble. Andy has a, has a history of that, that he will, take players snaps away for that. He is an old school coach like that. He would have not gotten the opportunity that he got and then fumbling again. Oh, he'd be done for the day, but because he was drafted in the first round, here we go again. And Chiefs fans would totally be okay with it. If he was taken in the fourth or the third round, one thing that I, I think we kind of forget because it's kind of just one, it needed to happen. And two, it's water underneath the bridge is the fact that how much losing Kareem Hunt really screwed this team. Because I'm very confident that they would have resigned Kareem Hunt just because there's virtually no player that Brett Veach has let walk. And Kareem Hunt added so much to this game or to this team. You go back and look at Kareem Hunt's receiving and when he was with Patrick Mahomes for those eight to ten games, whatever it was, he was scoring a ton of touchdowns through the air. He, I, I just feel like you know he had that ability to break away and, you know, take a ball to the house. He was great for the outside zone scheme. I, I mean, if Kareem Hunt's on this team still, I think things look a lot different. He needed to be cut because of what he did. It sucks that he's still in the league because, you know, we know how it goes with talent. It doesn't really matter what you do off the field as long as you've got talent on the field. But, I mean, I, I just think that's one thing we don't give enough credit to is the fact that he's not on this team and it does hurt still. Do you remember what round he was drafted in? Third round. Yep. yep. And I mean, yep. I'll give the I'll give the Chiefs credit. Edwards Lair, the process drafting him at 32 sucked. But the measurables besides the breakaway speed really pointed to Edwards Lair being that level of player. Great at breaking tackles, never goes down to first contact. The receiving game was super strong. My problem is is that he just kind of fit that mold of Oh, you played on a team with like eight NFL players in college. You, I mean, look at what Jamar Chase is doing. Look at what Justin Jefferson is. I mean, there was talent all over that field. Edward Dallaire was the forgotten man, and that's how he was able to do, do some of the things that he was doing. He was one of the most productive offenses of all time in college. So, I mean, look, I'm not going to piss all over every single part of this game. It was good to see him get going. It was good to see the offensive line start to connect there, but I'm still going to call for more Jarek McKinnon because, and I know it's a little bit of the backup quarterback thing, you know, in a, in a town, sometimes the backup quarterback's the most popular just because you haven't seen them fail, but McKinnon it fits more of what the chiefs do. McKinnon looks more like Damian Williams. And if the chiefs are going to continue to run outside zone schemes for the run, 
put McKinnon in there. There's no reason not to. And I'm not saying that he needs to take the job full, but I'm saying that like Edward Delaire does not need 85% of the running back touches in this team. Oh yeah. No. And, and certainly not. Uh, he doesn't need as many touches. I don't think he needs to be in the game for as long as he has been. Like, I think Daryl needs to be taking some snaps as well. He's pretty good at pass protection. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the chiefs like to throw the ball and Mahomes is not going to check it down to Clyde every, every down. Like they thought that he was going to do when they drafted Clyde. So I don't, I don't know. But so what are some other uh, good things you saw from this game? I really liked the offensive line outside of Niang, again, like you said. But uh, I also thought that, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey was elite. Go figure. But yeah, I mean, he he once again, having having a good big day and just seems to always come down with the ball whenever he needs to. That catch uh, that catch that he made on the sideline where he just went up and outplayed that guy. I don't remember the corner, but. That was great. Um, And, you know, one thing that I think, and this is actually kind of connected to something else. I think Mahomes is doing a much, much better of step job of stepping up in the pocket. He's made a concerted effort to do that. I've not. And obviously we, I don't pretend to be a film guy. I'm never going to tell you that I know, you know, what the scheme is or anything like that. I understand very little played high school football, but by no means I'm a film guy. Um, watching him step up in the pockets encouraging because that was something we were concerned about. I've not seen him have one of those snaps where he faded so far back and correspondingly um, Yang and Brown have played better the last two games. Now I do think that that relates to some of the struggles that Mahomes has had. He's not struggling by NFL quarterbacks terms, but he's struggling by his terms. You know, Tony Romo kept talking about how windy it was in the game. I do think that that last pass to Kelsey sailed on him. Um, and, you know, the Marcus Kemp, it hit him in the shoulder pads. Could it have been in a better place? Yes. But we're talking about inches here. And I understand he's a quarterback. He needs to be able to do it. But in the same breath, any, in my opinion, if most NFL wide receivers, if you're running across the middle of the field and the ball hits you in the chest, you're supposed to catch that. And also Asante Samuel made a terrific play on it too. It wasn't like he was right there. He was, you know, super wide open. So I'm encouraged by seeing Mahomes step up in the pocket. I think him and the offensive line are getting more on the same page. And I think that some of the struggles that we're seeing Mahomes have are correlated to the fact that he is just doing something different. He's basically completely changing how he plays and that's going to take some time, but I think so far the results are pretty encouraging. He's, you know, still throwing touchdowns at a high clip. He's getting it done with some of the, you know, third and fourth options. Jody Fortson had a touchdown. All of our training camp dreams came true. Noah Gray had mm-hmm. a catch. Um, you know, there, there are some signs for encouragement. And that's one reason why I'm not going to come in here and just be total panic button time, because there is a path to seeing the Chiefs get better. They are not just getting completely out talented, blown out of the water. They're, you know, they're a properly fielded pump punt away from being 0 and 3. And then they're like two plays away from being 3 and 0, which is frustrating, but also encouraging. Because oh, yeah. that because the ball's gonna bounce the other way. You know, the Chiefs put the ball on the ground twice yesterday and it went to the other team both times. That will even out. It's a flip a coin type of thing. You flip a coin five times and it comes up heads four times in a row. Okay, that doesn't mean it's always going to do that. If you flip it a hundred times, it's gonna be a lot more even. 
that's just the nature of the game. The Chiefs are losing some games that they should have won. And then guess what? There's probably going to be some games later in the season that they're going to win that they should have lost. That's just how it goes. So, and who knows? Maybe, maybe this will just be a really bad year for them. But we just got to remember, too, that, um, you know, not every year was a Super Bowl for the Patriots. They had many years in between their Super Bowls that they didn't win. Now, they were playoff teams, and we're not talking about the Chiefs missing the playoffs, at least not yet. No, by no means. But I also think I'll take a little bit of a contrary position here. I still think that there are a few different pieces away from, from being a championship caliber team. We've gotten away with no pass rush because Frank Clark decided to show up in the most, most opportune times in the game. Like that, that sack on Brady, the, the multiple sacks in the playoff to Sean Watson, Josh Allen, like go down the list. He, he had a bunch of really, really good plays. Where is that this year? I mean, first of all, he's injured with hamstring. Then he strains his other hamstring and is out now. Um, you know, Chris Jones is supposed to be incredible off of the edge. I don't really think that he is. I think that's something that I, everybody missed on, at least everybody that I know. Um, <clears throat> I really, I really, really think that a good pass rush, or at least an above average pass rush, is, is super important to game winning or to championship winning teams. We have no pass rush. You saw it this week. We're playing a pretty good offensive line that was just retooled, much like our own um, in the offseason. You should be taking advantage of that second string right tackle, Chris Jones. But no, no nothing happened. We, we couldn't take advantage of it. Everybody outside of Chris Jones is terrible in the pass rush. I think Jaron Reed, we've, we've talked about him. I don't want to belabor that point, but where has he been at? Tershawn Wharton was a bright spot last year. I, I haven't seen anything of him. Mike Dana, I think, is the only other person besides Chris Jones that has a sack. And that was more of a coverage sack than it was, you know, of getting pressure and tackling the quarterback. I, I just think that we have to make at least one more move if we want to be in contention again. Well, I think, again, this goes back to doing things differently because what we're doing isn't working. And this will never happen, so – there's, you know, it's probably not worth the airspace, but if you're not going to be a team that's going to sack the quarterback a lot and you're constantly one of the highest blitzing teams in the NFL, stop trying to be that team and start. Okay. So one thing that we felt good about the chiefs going into the season was their secondary was not elite, but it was pretty deep. They've got, you know, three safeties that you feel decent about them being on the field. They've got about four or five corners that they've got. They feel pretty good about being on the field. If you're not going to be this elite pass rushing team, start, stop being that team, stop bringing all that pressure and start dropping more players back and force them to beat you on the run. If, if the chiefs could sure up their defense against the pass, it doesn't matter. Run on us all you want. If you want to go down the field and be methodical, short of Lamar Jackson and maybe Derrick Henry, it does not matter because those are about the only two players that running the ball matters with. Other than that, go ahead and do it because at least they would be, you know, more sound against part of it. Put Chris Jones on the inside, let him get his, put, you know, the players up there, try to be assignment sound and then actually cover someone instead of having. And by the way, these players that are running wide open, they're not like the forgotten man. Like sometimes McCall Hardman has that play where it's like, oh shit, we just forgot to cover McCall Hardman. And now he's scoring a touchdown. It's like Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hollywood Brown, 
Jarvis Landry. Like, they're just like, oh, these are all players that we own in fantasy, and they're comically wide open. Yeah, which is super unfortunate, especially for a Tyron Matthew-led uh, like cornerback safety DB group. That has to be tearing him up. And, and I know that it's tearing up Spags and, and the defensive coaches, but that's something that's got to get turned around. I mean, Mike Hughes has been really, really good for us, except in key moments. Uh, DeAndre Baker has been really, really good for us, except for in key moments. Jarvarius Ward, as, as much as everybody likes to hate on him, we missed him this past game. Like him squaring up on Mike, uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, like getting pressure off the line. I think we really missed that this past game. I think him coming back will also help us out a little bit, but yeah. I don't know. And I mean, going back to the roster construction and all that, Charvarius Ward is not under contract for next year. So, you know, if he hit, if he adds to free agency, there's a good chance he's not back as well. Yep. And you know, maybe that, maybe that's something that needs to happen. Maybe they need to stop trying to quote unquote, keep the band together, keep, you know, just like what happened in 2018, they more or less kept like one or two players from that defense and everyone else walked. I mean, maybe that's part of the plan all along that Tyron Matthew is gone after this year and that Charvius Ward is gone after this year. Frank Clark's gone after this year. Anthony Hitchens is gone and they, they start over. I mean, I would feel really good about that. The only thing is, is so far this team has not been willing to put the younger, more athletic players on the field. You could see a situation like, okay, Kando and Chris Jones and Bolton and Gay and, you know, you get Thornhill start playing more. You could start seeing a scenario where, like, Sneed, okay, we've got a young offense that's super athletic. But what I don't feel good about that because, you know, are they going to put them on the field? Well, and it's obvious Spags doesn't trust him enough. And, and whether that's just because he likes to have veterans on the field or not, you know, we'll never know. Or, you know, they've, they've been in the doghouse. They haven't been playing really well. Um, you know, that's that's all coaching. And, and so far, Spags has been less than forthcoming with that information. We've had to dive pretty far down the rabbit hole to even think of something or a reason why they haven't been playing. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, sure. we'll definitely see. There's definitely room for improvement. I think that, like I said, I think that we're a really, really good team. There's a lot of stuff we can clean up, but. We, we definitely need to get a pass rush going and I don't see that happening yeah. unless we trade for somebody. So when are you, are you, I, I mean, for me, I will officially press the panic button if they lose to the Eagles, if they lose, oh, next, yeah. if they lose next week, a game that they should win a game that they need to win, then it is time to panic because then you're talking about, you know, you're several games back in the division. You are losing to teams that you should be beating. You are, and, you know, the schedule doesn't necessarily get easier for the Chiefs. I mean, you've got the Bills coming in who will, of course, be motivated. And also, you know, there was some talk whenever they lost to the Steelers that, oh, you know, it was a fluke last year. Josh Allen's kind of regressing back. They have dominated the last two games that they have played the Bills, including the football team and the Dolphins, two good defenses. You've got the football team coming in, which I think they're kind of a one-hit wonder. You've got uh, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry coming in after that. You got you still have Aaron Rodgers on the on the roster or on the schedule. You've got the Cowboys. I mean, the hits keep coming. And, yes, they do get some nice little breathers in there where they've got the football team and the Giants in two out of three weeks. But, I mean, if they don't beat the Eagles, that's one of those that everyone had in the schedule carved up as a W. And, I mean, realistically – Sure, you might have been that person that predicted the Chiefs to go 15 and two 
or 16 and one because you were cute and wanted to, you know, get a couple more likes on Twitter. But I feel like most of us had them going 12 and five, 11 and six, 13 and four. So, you know, I think that some of these games, part of the panic is, is that the way that it happened. You know, the Chiefs have went one and two in a series of games before. That happened in 2018 when they went to the and hosted the AFC Championship team or game. It's just the fact that they were the first three games kind of making us panic. So ultimately, there is a, there's still reason for optimism. I believe that they can get it together. I think Andy Reid getting out of the hospital, that will kind of have some motivation. I know they want to go into uh, Philadelphia and win for Coach Reid there too. I know that's kind of spiritualism, but I do think that stuff matters. And I, I, I believe that, you know, better days are ahead. And I think the Josh Gordon signing will kind of give a little spiritual lift to the locker room as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's shift from just Chiefs here. We're going to do another segment that we really like, um, stolen from Colin Cowherd, uh, the best people steal things. I learned that being when I was a teacher, that the best teachers are great thieves. Well, you were just talking about um, the Eagles. So let's go ahead and finish up with our discussion about the upcoming game for the Chiefs and the Eagles. Um, as we said, this game is kind of coming away, coming down to a must win. Um, so my first thing to look for, we always kind of do three things to look for in the game. My first is going to be, and, um, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but I would really like to see the chiefs get the run game going early. Um, some might even dare to say establish the run. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is because, uh, Zeke is literally eating the Eagles defense alive right now on the ground. Um, I think that it has helped the offensive line some, and I do think it is helping the, um, I do think it's helping the defense some as well. Um, you know, part of the thing that we have to remember is the dominance of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, players like that, even Drew Brees, they relied on a strong running game. There are many years that their running game were a huge contribution to their ability to be good quarterbacks. Just because Patrick Mahomes hands the ball off 20, 25 times in a game doesn't make him a lesser quarterback because he can still make the big splash plays when needed. Um, but, you know, you look at some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL still. Aaron Rodgers has got, you know, Aaron Jones, a great player. You know, Drew Brees had Alvin Kamara. There's a, you know, there's a lot of room for the offense to grow. Now, I don't necessarily think that those carries need to solely go to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I would like to see them mix it up more, as stated before. But I would like to see the Chiefs come out and just assert their will. I would love to see the Chiefs. I'd love to feel good about this game in the fourth quarter and not be sitting here wondering if a defensive pass interference is going to change the game. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think establishing the run is going to be something that's extremely important in this game. Um, and that starts with the offensive line, which I'll flip to the other side of the ball is my first – my first takeaway we need to be looking at is our defensive line versus their offensive line. Now they, they've played really, really well. The Eagles uh, offensive line has in the past couple of games, and that's really helped out guys like Sanders, their, their running back and Jalen hurts who, who gets a little extra, little bit of extra time in the pocket. Um, now I think that our defense needs to get a pass rush going. If they can't get a pass rush going, that's going to be one of the major, uh, reasons that we would be even close to a game it would even be close to a game our defensive line needs to take control we need to fill gaps we need to stay assignment sound set the edge all that jazz I think we need to play really really well on the offensive and defensive line 
my next thing to watch for is going to be uh, really, really taking control of the running game away from the Eagles. The Eagles, um, you know, Miles Sanders is a pretty underrated running back. He's one of those guys. He reminds me a little bit of Kareem Hunt in the sense of he never goes down for the first tackler. And also Jalen Hurts. Um, he is not Lamar Jackson. No one is. But he is fairly mobile. Uh, really like to see the Chiefs continue that trend of kind of controlling the run game. Obviously, most important is the pass game. But if you take away the run game from the Eagles, they're going to start having to rely on Devontae Smith, who's, you know, not proven a whole lot thus far, and Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rager. There's not a whole lot of upside there. Um, again, going back to what we were talking about in the first part of the podcast, don't let a team's best guys beat you. That's what's frustrating. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you know, Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, the best guys are beating the Chiefs right now. Let's make it so if we are getting beat, let's at least have it be someone that you're like, who? Um, you know, shut down their best guys, make them, make them go to the third and fourth options. So my next point of emphasis um, is going to be mental mistakes. There's been a lot of those over the past couple of games, whether it's fumbles, interceptions, bad decisions, uh, not being lined up correctly, which has been a major problem on the defense. I don't know what needs to happen there, uh, but it's it's mostly mental. And I think that if we can get rid of those, we'll start playing like a championship team again. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons we lost this past game. It wasn't because the the Chargers stopped our offense. It wasn't because our defense played extremely poorly. It was just fumbles, interceptions, uh, you know, letting Patrick Mahomes get hit. Those, those are things that can be changed and, and it can take one game. It can take four games. You know, it, it really just depends on, on how the players accept the, uh, the challenge of playing better. And I think that Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid can, can get that eliminated in one game. So, yeah. but let's see. I, I think, it. I think that's a really good point. Um, I was thinking along that same line about ball security for Patrick Mahomes, but my last one is going to be on the defense as well. Um, I would just like to see, you know, a lot more sound coverage, not see player, you know, like I, like we've said before, there's been three or four plays every game where someone is just almost insanely wide open. Really like to see that shirt up, see, um, see the coverage really start communicating better. Cause I truly think that that's what it is. Um, Not getting set, not making the right reads or players not doing the correct things uh, on the field. Really like to see that get cleaned up. Realistically, there's no reason why we should be talking about the Eagles getting over, you know, 25 points. I, I think that that is a reasonable expectation to have for this defense. And honestly, defense is part of confidence. Uh, if you remember back in 2019, the Chiefs had that game where they had like nine sacks against Joe Flacco and the defense just dominated after Patrick Mahomes got hurt. And that really started turning the tide for that defense because the first couple of weeks of the 2019 season, we're all like, um, this just looks like Bob Sutton all over again. It's just different players and a different coordinator who's from New Jersey. Um, but they really started gaining more confidence and this can be the springboard for them. I do think that, you know, if they have a good game against the Eagles, they really have seemed to have Josh Allen's number in the past. So looking ahead to the bills, that would be a great springboard to really start getting going. You know, you can really start squinting and seeing some defensive um, improvement. There's a good chance they might have Willie Gay this week. 
you got the Eagles and you got the Bills. You got the football team. Um, you know, they've got some players there, but Heineke clearly is not it. You got the Titans. I mean, you can really start to squint and see the, the defense getting on a run. So, I, to me, this is the place that they've got to – everyone had this as a W when, when you wrote up the schedule. You might have had them losing to the Browns. You might have had them losing to the Chargers or the Ravens or whatever. But this was – everyone had this written up as a W, and it needs to be one. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll kind of branch off of that defensive take there for a minute. I'm going to go red zone defense. Uh, one of the oh, biggest keys. We completely glided over that the whole podcast. <laughs> you are so right. They turn every they turn every player into prime Jerry Rice in the red yep. zone. It's insane. Yeah, well, and that's going to be one of the keys. One of the biggest things about our championship run um, against, oh, what year was that? Was it 2020 or 2019? Our uh, Super Bowl run, I can't ever remember the name. 29, of the so 2019 is technically 2019 and 2020 are our Super Bowl runs. Okay. 19 49ers. Well, one of the keys that we had was we were a good red zone defense. I mean, look at games against like Detroit where we were getting steals, we were getting fumble recoveries, even against the Lions, um, a team we don't play that often. Fumble recovery back for six. Like that, that's just something that has to happen. We have to prevent red zone scores if we can turn the touchdowns we've been giving up into field goals, even half of them, then this game isn't going to be close. Like if if we can hold them to threes instead of sevens, the numbers add up in our favor. So. All right. Well, we hope to be back talking to you about a win. Um, We've got a couple of smaller interviews that we're going to be putting on the podcast. We're trying to reach out and start talking to more people. If you've got any suggestions or any recommendations, you know where to get a hold of us on Twitter um, I'm going to be talking some Royals here coming up, and I think Christian got an opportunity to meet with some of the people at PFF who um, work more closely with the Brown or the Bears, excuse me. So we've got some interviews we'll be adding on to the podcast as well. Um, but as always, thank you for listening to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. You can follow Christian at cbreezy underscore edits on Twitter. Hey, there we yeah, go. I remember to see the breeze. <laughs> I'm at Price A. Carter. Um, As always, we appreciate you guys listening. Have a great night and go Chiefs. Thanks, guys. Go Chiefs.